Welcome to episode 80 of the Muck Podcast, where we discuss the dark and sometimes weird true stories in American politics. I'm Tina Jaramillo. And I'm Hillary Dougherty. Did that sound okay? Yes! <laughs> Girl! Do I need an extra filter? I was going to say, I hear a lot of <laughs> on your piece, Tina. Motherfucker Ooh. nailed us. <laughs> he nailed us, Tina, to the wall. Oh my God. Listen, here's the thing. Here's, but here's the thing. Fuck everyone. <laughs> How's that? How's I like that? that. Yeah, me too. I'm on board with that. I think that everybody uh, is doing their best. Yes. And I know that people don't like, oh, all the kids get trophies, but give everybody a fucking trophy. Yes. You know, so you don't know. You don't know. No. So just let everybody have a trophy. And what are we talking about? Who fucking cares? Yes. Who cares? How about that? Yeah. How about how about that? <laughs> how about you put that in your pipe and smoke it, motherfucker? How's that? Oh, my God. Well, listen. I mean, listen. <laughs> um, the good thing is this. Is some, I'll tell you this thing. This. <laughs> Everyone's like, what are they talking so about? So we, all right. So we got a... Um, we got our review back. Let's just do it. Yes. Let's just fuck it. Fuck we it. We got Tina, a review. We got a review. So Tina sent our podcast out. We talked about it. <laughs> yeah. It was supposed to come out June 29th. And I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe you should check your schedule. Yes. Bro. Yes. Bro. Mr. <laughs> Professional. <laughs> Mr. Anyway. Professional. Seven episodes past the one that we were supposed <laughs> yeah. to be featured. Oh, should she counted? <laughs> well, anyway, I just I thought, think it was seven. That was We me. got the review back. And, uh. It was good. Yeah. It was a good review. The rating was shit. The technical well, stuff okay. is shit. Which First of I, all, I, I don't, don't even know what the rating is. It was a five something. I know, but, oh, but out, out of what? what? Yeah, we don't. We know. don't know. You'd have to. You'd have to listen. I'd be a regular listener to his. No, I even. I went back. I shit. went back, and some of them don't even have reviews. So I don't this? know where this is coming this? from. How about we call our podcast not a review podcast, but a advice podcast? Yes. How about that? Because the advice he gave as far as microphones was good. He nailed us on the microphones. I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. And so I am going to get an extra thing here. And on this episode today, since it's the first since we we got his review, I'm going to play around with the apparently there's an echo that I don't hear. No one. And my ears are way too sensitive. Yeah. Listen. Oh, God. Listen. But wait, wait, let me just say that. That part, I took a little offense to it only because I do the editing and I do that part and I listen to it like 5,000 times before it it's comes a- out. And so I, I took a little offense to it, but he's not wrong there. He's not wrong. Right. Well, okay. Um, but it, do- it doesn't feel great. Also, I don't think that we sound as, as poppy as he says, number one. Okay. Number two, he had to go on about how we chat too much. Yeah. Meanwhile, I love, this. I love this. Meanwhile, he's yeah. chatting and going, I talk too much and I always talk too much. Who then, who are you? I don't know. Then to say that we talk too much. I have no idea who this person is. And, and he's got a great list of like, here's all the things that I've done. That's great. But like, uh, seriously. I told you, I told you what he reminded me of. Yeah. A washed up nineties oh radio show host. Please God. In some mid level radio station with little sound effects sounds like, Oh woo, look at me. Yeah. And I wish I was Howard Stern. That's what I think when First I hear of him. All, I mean, I think he's doing Maybe, his, I mean, but you're doing a great maybe. job, guy. He's doing his I, I, I'm just telling again, you that's the vibe I got. If that if that you were in like you're in the Midwest somewhere. I don't know where you are. I don't know where he is that's either. The vibe he does I have got. a great voice for podcasting does radio. He? Sure. 
sure. Better right. than my voice for it. But I, I'm not going to, I'm not going, this is his gig is to do reviews. And he said, take it with a grain of salt. That's fine. I, and, and we he's are. not wrong. The only thing he, he fucking nailed us on was technical. And yeah. I'm going to be okay with that. But I don't know if we get a five for that. And I have to say the other thing that pissed me off. <laughs> I love that we weren't, we just turned the mics off and she goes, <laughs> I go, let's not talk about it. We're fucking four minutes in talking about it. Okay. This is the last thing. A I woman tell scorn you, is all I'm saying. I got to tell you what pissed me off. Yeah. He's like, they just sit around reading articles. Yeah, Dude. Uh, Tina, Tina got really upset about this. No. Well, I rewrite he, I all my, he, I rewrite all my I shit. Know, I know. I do all my research. I cite my sources. How dare you don't even know what you're talking about. You just hear us telling a story and you're like, oh, because like we mentioned a newspaper. Well, that's what you're supposed to do. Okay. Yeah. Tina's not happy about this. I have to say that I, it, it was offensive. It is offensive. It's how uh, dare you? It's a lot. of. It was work. an assumption. Yeah, and there's a lot of work put into it. And the part that bothered yes. me, because he said, I mean, he actually said this, and I, I hope it's true, but he did listen to one episode completely. Full yes. trigger warning, he said he listened to. Yes. Um, but when he, he said he liked it. Yeah, he said, well, and he was like, this is a very review, niche. He was like, this, yes. I, this, I haven't heard this before. So, which is thanks, what we've guy. Heard. Like, look, we're just, I'm just, I'm just, you know. Breaking your balls here, like saying all this hey, stuff, like just because. Uh, hey, like, he breaks balls. We you can break, break balls. balls. We're going to break balls. We're going to break balls yeah. too. But uh, but uh, he listened to that whole episode. But when you listen to the actual review, the his podcast episode where he reviews, he's fast forwarding through us talking, and it's so that to me is like, what the fuck are you doing? Like you're missing. Well, then your audience, jokes, you're but but the audience nuances. doesn't hear, and he's like, yeah, I know people complain about this because. We know what that show is, but it, yeah. but as a someone who would listen to that to go, oh well, let me hear what he's talking about. He doesn't even really play a clip of us to no. show what we sound like, no. or what the show is about at all. No, so I don't know how. I get that it's just one listen, but <sighs> play some. I, I mean, actual, he talks about everything: artwork, yeah. music, uh, in, openings. In like, in like ten minutes, it's it's. A it lot. was fine. It it's was a fine. Lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. Look, to, he's putting it's, it's a lot seven, of episodes seven out. In the morning. He puts a lot of episodes out. Oh, big deal. That's because there's. <laughs> <laughs> excuse me. I got to edit that out. That's because there's two million fucking podcasts out there. A guy's never going to run out of work. Yeah. You know what I mean? Hey, God bless you. Do you do you, man? Yeah, do All you? Right? We'll keep going. He said, "Keep going. Don't stop. Just fix this technical." He did say that. He said, yeah. "This is a great idea. I've never heard of this idea before." Yeah. Which is what we've heard about yes. every time yes. somebody reviews our podcast. All right, so is that we're fucking amazing? So musters. You bet. Spread it. Spread the yeah, word. Because we're doing Let something. people know. He did say that. He yes. said he's. And because believe me, I did t talk about popping around on a podcast. I did every time I popped around on all his reviews. He's fucking ripping people. I, I was. Yes. It was heartbreaking. And yes. I was like, oh my god. And, and he it, did not really do that to us. He did not do that to okay, us. So, so we all right, I take stop everything a little back. Bit, a little bit. I, I think, take it all back, Mister Podcast Host. I don't You're agree amazing. with him. Yes, and I don't agree with him. Like when you when you said you didn't like what he said about the stories, and yeah. I that was that's bullshit. Um, but I do agree with him with the technical a little bit. I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. The hit on a that. A little bit. A little bit. I agree. As soon as he said mm -hmm. the microphone name, I said, oh, <laughs> <laughs> right? Because I was like, he, fucking, he knows what he's talking about. Yeah. So, all right. Fuck it. Let's Thanks. do some happy talk. Like what oh. did we do yesterday? Okay. <gasps> yes. We have two really awesome things to talk about. Oh. Okay. Yes. Because we, okay. First, let's talk about okay. yesterday first, because then we'll talk about the other thing. Okay. Yes. Do I know the other thing? Yes, you do. Oh. But it seems like it was 5,000 years ago, oh. but it wasn't. The day after 4th of July. Oh, Okay, yeah, because yes. we haven't recorded since then. Yes. Okay. So, 
we talked about this last week. Yes. We were invited to come onto a podcast, Keeping Up with the Cardassians. Yes. Which is a Deep Space Nine uh, podcast. They go episode by episode. Yeah, they Star go Trek, episode Deep by Space episode. Nine. It's fun. It's so much fun. And so we were asked to come on there and they were starting, they're kicking off their season four, episode one. And so yes. we had to watch the episode. It was a two-parter. It's a two-part episode. Very fascinating. Yes. Very good. Yes. I'm into the show now. Now I'm into Are the you show. into the I'm show? I'm fucking into oh the show. Oh my gosh. I'm going to keep watching. I was watching and um, it's just all these memories flooded back because I was like, oh my God, I remember my brother like watching this show all oh the time. Oh my God. That's so, so great. Yeah, that was the memory I had. And you had to call your brother and say, I did. tell me about Deep Space Nine. And he, and he on and texted on. me four <laughs> different times. Did you watch it? Did you watch it? Did you watch it? Did you like it? What did you say about it? Did you, I mean... He he is excited to hear Aww. their podcast. Aww. Yeah. That's so cool. It was very cool. So yeah. he's into it. That's awesome. And he travels a lot. So I'm like, just listen to their podcast because yeah. you're, he's on the road all of like three weeks out of the month. So That's all awesome. he does is like listen to audiobooks. I'm like, you really should get into podcasts. Um, his sister has <clears throat> a fucking podcast. Yeah, so no. How about that? I don't that? think he's listened. Well, you know. Do you believe that? I, I do believe it. But On he, the road for say, hours and you can't listen to me for one minute? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I'd have to warn him against the technical sound, though. Oh. So he might not really get into it. Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> anyway, so we spoke. So, okay. So I'm fucking dolled up for this podcast because I'm yes. like, I, I listen every week. I Meanwhile, love I'm just like rolled up in my yeah. bed. Yes. My what hair the pulled fuck? back. What the fuck is going? <laughs> the Zoom comes up and I look Tina's in her bed. I go, look at this bitch. She's comfortable. <laughs> She's woke up from a nap. She's fucking comfortable in that bed. What? Was, what? Yeah. Fuck it. It was the only place I could go. Well, that's fine with me. I it wish was I, comfortable. Yeah. I was in my son's room. My background was my son's disgusting, dirty oh. room. Um. Anyway, I listen every week, and so I'm a huge fan of them. And I like I've watched their YouTube. They do their show on YouTube. Yes, I which saw the I YouTube. Love. Yeah, it, it's it's fun. So I know who is who. Yes. Right? And so um. You know, I had to get dolled up, honey. You know, I've got to look fabulous. I had my you, fucking you were adorable. Zoom light on. Oh, you oh, had my, a Zoom light? I had my Zoom Ooh, light on. I was dang. like, I'm going to I'm gonna fucking deck this thing out on a yeah. Saturday morning. Meanwhile, and- my hair is pulled back. <laughs> 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 Whatever. It doesn't matter. I threw some lip gloss on. You looked fabulous. <laughs> you looked like, you know, when people like those rich people are in bed, they're like, bring me this. That's what Tina was fucking set up. And here, here's the best part. You brought the goods. You know what I mean? You oh, knew did the breakdown. I? Fuck it, oh, honey. Yeah. I was so, so I was really worried. No, we, I think that went well. I think, yeah, when yeah. we finally got to the part where we're talking about the episode, I was like, oh I, God, I, please don't make me sound like, please, I don't want to sound like a fucking asshole. Please. I was worried I was going to, so I, uh, my brother basically said I was completely wrong about my theory <laughs> of Cassidy. Um, yes. Um, but that's just the vibe I got. But anyway, I mean, I feel I, I tried to like analyze. And yes, you did great. No, you did. You did the <sighs> Tina thing. You did yes. the thing. You, did best. you analyzed it and you did a great job. I think I did a great job. Yes. I don't know. You were so you were cracking me up. You were great. Yeah. That's how I, that's how I know I'm doing a good job. Yeah. Tina's laughing. All is well. All is well. <laughs> but the when that Zoom opened and I saw those boys, I was like, look at oh, this. Oh, my God. Well, it was supposed to get on 1215. Tina texts me at like five after 12. She's yes. like, I'm in the Zoom with everyone. <laughs> I said, what? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So then I Because I went on. on early. I was worried. Like, I want to make sure the Zoom is going to oh work my in my God. room. Oh, and, Jesus. you know, so. And then um, Nick was on first. Okay. 
And I was like, oh, hey. And then <laughs> Joe was like walking in the background. And then yeah. Rob kind of came in. And I'm, I was texting you like they're all here. Oh, my God. <laughs> and my, I was so fucking, I showed how my yes. hands were like shaking. I was so nervous. I don't know why I was so nervous. And then, uh, yeah, then I, then we started talking and we, they asked us so many questions about our podcast. Yes. Like they are, Nick definitely, and Joe, I know definitely, listen, I know Rob catches it uh, too. And so like, they're huge fans and yeah. they, they love to talk about politics. It's so good. Yeah. It was really, really good. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. I, it was fun. It was fun. And it comes out. Um, well, actually it came out, two days, it came out, it came out two days yeah, ago. Monday. So, um, and look it probably, for it. Yeah. Look for it and we'll share it on our social media, yes. but also, um, I think that, I think that Zoom's going to be on YouTube. So yeah, you're going to be in bed. Fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, Jackie With Kennedy. my pillows propped up behind <laughs> yeah. me. Oh, oh my God. God. So thank you, um, everybody at Cardassians for having yes. us. And please have us back. Oh on. my God. Have me back on any time. So anytime. much. Fun. Yes. Text me on a Saturday yes. morning and say, honey, we need you to come on. I, I pop in and be like, hi, how are you? But I got to do my makeup first. So give me five minutes. <laughs> and I got to set my lighting. That's another five minutes. And then, you know, I just have to look fabulous. Tina. Oh, you're always fabulous. Oh, please, God. I'm so ugly. Okay. Oh my God. <laughs> it takes a lot. It takes a lot. How dare you? But, you know, um, so I just feel like every day I look in the mirror. I, I don't want to do this. This is, the, I can't do it. This no. is, this would be the third week in a row I've like talked how bad my looks are. You're I can't beautiful. do it. I appreciate beautiful. it. I appreciate it. Beautiful. Like, mm, let's move on. <laughs> <sighs> Gotta work on myself, honey. Okay. So I have been hanging out in my pool a lot and yes. I've been seeing pictures up like, yay, with the kids like hanging out in the pool. So Barefoot Lobo always sends me a message. Must be nice to hang out in the pool all day. <laughs> Ooh, wish I had a pool. God. Uh, you know, like, when am I going to be invited to yes. hang out? He's just coming right out. When am I going to be invited yes. to hang out in that pool? I was like, oh, shit. I said, this was 4th of July. And I said, well, what about next weekend? And that wouldn't work out. And then I was like, wait, are you working tomorrow? And he's like, no. And I'm like, fuck it, come over. I'm going to invite Tina. Like, just let's come over. <laughs> and he came over with his beautiful, amazing wife, yes. Bo, and his children, oh. who I fucking love so much. It was fun. It was, it was fun. very relaxing. Uh, my children would not... Oh, they love you. They Tina's boys are on all over her. Oh my god! Like white on rice, girl. They, they love are you. just <laughs> attached <laughs> to the apron strings. Yeah, yeah. But I think you like the mamonis. Do you like that? I got mamonis. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> Mama's boys. Those are like the the Italians that are like forty years old, and their moms like still spooning them pasta in Italy. That's, that's what's happening. <laughs> that's, mamonis. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I've done. I what have I done? <laughs> do you like it though? Do you? I, 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 so, I sometimes I do, but sometimes yeah. I'm like, just get away. Yeah. Like I need, <laughs> you know, cause they're, oh, even yesterday, like they were just, I was like, I, I'm with you all day. Yeah. It's funny cause you were complaining about it. And then Barefoot looks at me cause we're all floating in the pool and he goes, your kids haven't come near you. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I have the opposite of Mamonis. Those kids are finding oh something else God. to fucking do. They're not coming near. They're not they hanging are out just <laughs> attached. I love it. It's nice. It is nice. So it was nice to hang out with them. I mean, we yeah. were in the pool for fucking hours. I got burned uh, in the sun. Well, you know, I, I had a nice, I got a nice color. Yeah, I burned. I was happy. My nose is now peeling, which is fun. <laughs> and then we ate a bunch of yummy food. And it was, just, it was just like awesome. such a relaxing day. Yeah. So it we, feels like it was weeks ago. I know. But it was like last week. It was a week ago m tomorrow. 
It fe- oh my god! I, know, I feel like it stupid. was weeks ago. I know. I know. God. Um, so that's all. I oh 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 oh. And today is July 11th. We're recording on July 11th, and I wanted to say happy birthday to my friend Josh, who you know. <gasps> I know. I'm gonna put a post up for him happy later. Happy birthday! Happy birthday, friend! I love you so much. Oh. I can. I'll, I'll never forget the first day I met Josh. It was my 29th birthday. <gasps> I know, and. My friends threw me a surprise party. Did I ever tell you about this birthday party? No, tell me. Oh, my God. So I was newly single and living alone in um, a fucking fabulous townhouse in La- in Victoria Park, Ooh. Fort Lauderdale, and having living my best life, honey. And um, so my friend Haley said, you know, we want to have a party for you. And I was like, okay. So she's like, just come to my house. She lived in Hollywood. They had this huge fucking backyard, this gorgeous little old house there. Oh, I love old Hollywood. Oh my God. And so I show up and there's a couple people in the house, but she's like, everything's happening in the backyard, but don't go out there yet. We're not ready. And I'm like, okay. So I'm like hanging around inside the house. I'm so excited. Like I don't, I mean, I know it seems like I like attention, but I don't like (laughs) to be the center of attention. And especially on my birthday, since I share it with my sister, it's odd to like have all the one-on-one attention. Yeah. So I was like, okay, you know, so she's like, okay, we're ready. So I come out in the backyard and the first thing I see when you turn this corner is like a table and it's set up like a concession stand. There's like little bags of popcorn Aww. and like movie style candy, you know? So cute. Oh my God. I'm like, what the fuck? Then I keep walking and I see this huge screen in the backyard and all these chairs, everybody's oh, sitting fun. up there and they're like screaming happy <gasps> birthday. They screened the Royal Tenenbaums. No. Which is my favorite I love movie. that movie. My favorite movie oh of all time. Oh my God. It was the best. And that's the first time I met Josh was <gasps> at that birthday party. He made cupcakes for me, I think with Tara. And that's when we became friends. And we were friends for like, wow, that was my, let's go have a drink on a Wednesday night. Yes. Let's go see a band. Let's go down here. Let's go hang out. Like, like he was my go-to person. We hung out <gasps> all the fucking time. I love that. I love him. He's the best. And, uh, you know, look, we're still friends. Yes. And he has, he lives in Orlando. He's beautiful babies, beautiful Oh lady. my God. He's a great artist. Oh, he's fantastic. Oh my he's goodness. So talented. Yes. Oh my God, I love him. So happy birthday, <gasps> Happy bro. birthday. This world is a better place because you're in it. That's for sure. Aww. I know. So, and he listens and he supports the mug. Yes. I mean, he's the greatest. The best. All right. So what are we doing? What's up? What's oh, happening? I'm going to. Tell you a story. Let's do it. Today, I'm going to tell you the story of New York City Councilman James E. Davis. Okay. James Davis served in the New York City Council beginning in 2002 after a decades-long career in law enforcement. But when a political rival holds a grudge over alleged political fraud, things turn deadly. Oh, no. Yes. This is a crazy little story. Okay. It's really sad. Yeah. I know. I'm sorry. I try. It's okay. <laughs> Mine's light. Well, now we'll get into it. But anyway, let's, yeah, let's hear about it. All right. So our story takes place in New York, specifically in the central Brooklyn area. Mm-hmm. And allegedly, uh, Othniel Askew felt that Davis was deliberately trying to prevent him from running against him in the can- in, in the upcoming election. And things end up going awry pretty quickly. So I'm going to give some background to Davis. And, um, you know, I'll talk about Askew as well as, as, as it progresses. So starting with Davis, from all accounts, he had this promising political career ahead of him. So he was um, this councilman, but he was doing a lot of great work. And 
And people saw that he could probably progress Mm -hmm. pretty uh, quickly. He graduated from Pace University. He had a degree in social science and youth administration. As I noted earlier, he had that law enforcement career. He was a corrections officer before becoming a police officer in the 80s. And Latima Stevens, writing for the Gotham Gazette, explained that his start in corrections was spurred by his own incident with police. And according to Stevens, back in 1983, Davis was falsely accused of grand theft auto, and he was beaten by two white police officers. Jeez. He was also dragged. He had a gun pointed to his head. Oh, my it God. Was awful. And in an article that Davis himself wrote about that incident, um, he wrote for the Gotham Gazette, he explained, quote, I have tried to turn that experience into something positive. I became a corrections officer and worked at Rikers Island for two years. A few years later, I became a New York City police officer and an instructor at the police academy Mm. where I trained officers on proper arrest procedures and how to interact with people of different racial and ethnic backgrounds. Wow. Wow. Like, and this is back in the, you know, 80s, early 90s. Yeah. I I was like, so he's like kind of ahead, ahead, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, um, and as you know, at the time as a young black man to want to turn that into something positive, this horrible experience and go into the police I force. Mean, I'm, uh, it's shocking. Yeah. I would want, I would want nothing to do yeah. with the police. And, and, and he wants to this. try to make a change. Yeah, no, that's incredible. Incredible. And he also, um, explained how he, along with his brother, Jeffrey, they started this nonprofit called love yourself, mm. stop the violence and it was to address violence in urban communities. And his whole vibe was about making sure communities prosper, that police precincts were safe and responsive to community concerns. Because he said, you know, I never felt comfortable uh, going into a police station. He's like, even after sort of, of being course. a cop. So he's like, I, he really wanted to work to make police uh, stations places where, where mm-hmm. um, these communities can feel safe going to. And... Um, he wanted to improve the juvenile justice system to help mm. kids in the system avoid a life of crime. Yes. All incredible stuff. I, I thought uh, it was like of course. pretty amazing. Yeah. And the other thing is like Davis didn't get his win right away. Like he, I think it was like four different times, like he ran for office and he lost and he ran and he lost, you know, that's just what happened. But he didn't give up. He just kept going. Mm-hmm. Um, he wanted to be involved in the community. He finally wins that seat uh, as a councilman and from every report that I read he was very well liked by everybody on sort of both sides of 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 the aisle and he was very well respected so what happened back in 2003 Othniel Askew according to several accounts he raised money to run against Davis in the next election primary cycle that was going to be held in September of that year. Okay. So they're like the same party, but he wants to run against this guy. Whatever, you know, whatever he can do that. But he didn't get enough signatures Mm. on the petition to get on the ballot. And you know, like we've done this where people are like, can you just sign this so that I can get on the ballot? And they have their petitions. You walk around, you try to get, you have to get so many to get on or you you have to fee. Yeah. Or you have to pay. And and it's expensive and some people can't do that. Yeah. So according to an article from the Chicago Tribune, Askew believed that there was some shadiness connected to the disqualification. He didn't think that it was just this. He thought it was just a technicality. Like I didn't get enough signatures. Hmm. Like like somehow Davis 
is preventing him no. from getting on the ballot. No. Right? And that's not what it is. Like, But he no. thought that there was this thing going on. Everybody's against you. Everyone's against him. And the Tribune further reported that Askew claimed that Davis was also attempting to blackmail him. But the New York Times reported that it may have been the other way around. Hmm. So after not getting on the ballot, he allegedly called Davis for a job. And folks from Davis's office claimed that Askew was calling the office more and more and more oh, in the weeks leading up to... Something's not right with this guy. Yeah. Oh, God. So he's claiming like, oh, Davis is doing this stuff to me. And then Davis's office is like, no, this guy just kept coming around like he wouldn't right. go away. Mm. So the major incident, the Brooklyn paper reported that Davis invites Askew to a council meeting at City Hall on July 3rd. I'm sorry, on July 23rd, 2003. So I heard, I read two different accounts. One was that, that um, Davis invited him and maybe this was sort of like an olive branch or a way to mentor this young rival. Okay. But the New York Times reported something slightly different saying that Askew, because remember he kept calling. Yes. That he stopped by the office the day before asking, hey, can I go to the meeting with you? And Davis was like, sure, you can come with me. Either way. At 2.08 p.m. that day, tragedy strikes. Jeez, come on. So according to our campaigns, Davis intended on introducing Askew on the balcony in their in-city hall, and, and he was going to introduce him. The Village Voice reported that Davis said, quote, this is the guy who was once against me, but now he's with me. And remember, this is like a post-9-11 world. Mm. So this is 2003. It's New York. It's a couple years later. Yeah. And so security is heightened everywhere. So like in, you can't go into City Hall. You're supposed to go through metal detectors right. and things like that. Right. But and City Hall was outfitted, had all that sort of security in place. But city employees, elected and the like did not have to go through oh. the metal detectors so they could bypass it. <sighs> So Askew is with David. They bypass the metal detectors and they kind of go on their way. And the meeting is Which is why he asked, can I go with you? Right. Right? That has to be, To bypass that whole thing. So, and no one knew that Askew had a gun on him. And as reported by the New York uh, Magazine, uh, he had a few extra rounds of ammo, like, stuffed in his socks as well. Oh, my God. So, and it was a semi-automatic gun Uh. that he had. So he's coming in. They go up and the, the council meeting is taking place. They're doing different things. And then he's up there at this balcony. And Michael Cooper of the New York Times reported that as Davis stood on the balcony, Askew took out the gun, no. shot him several times. No. While elected, these... And people are at the bottom, yeah. right? And they're watching this oh happen. Oh, my God. Yeah. Jesus and, Christ. And people are like freaking out. No. Because, and then the other thing that was happening is they were like, is this a terrorist attack? Is this, like, they don't know what's happening. They, just, they, they see him getting shot and it's a, a chaos erupts. Like everyone's running, everyone's freaking out. And I just feel like the irony that this guy is like this anti-violence, you know, he has that stop the violence thing, he has all these initiatives, and then he ends up getting gunned down. It just... By somebody who probably, who was just, it sounds like he had spun in his head that this guy was against him. Yes. And what's worse is that witnesses said that Askew kept shooting Davis even when he fell to the ground. (laughs) Yeah, that's horrible. It fucking reminds me of your story with the guy who was hung and he's already dead and then everybody came up up and took a shot. Fuck. So Cooper also wrote that a police officer on the floor below fired six shots on Askew, killing him too. So he's down there, he sees this happening, boom. So Whoa, what a shot. Yeah. 
Dang. I think he said he shot six rounds and like four of them hit Askew. Wow. Yeah. What's interesting is that day, because this is at two in the afternoon, right? But that morning before all of this happened, a man identifying himself as Askew supposedly called the FBI and alleged that he was being harassed by Councilman Davis. But the Fed said that he did not indicate that he was planning on harming the councilman or anything like that. But he just called them up. And CBS News offered even more and said that during that call to the feds, Askew claimed that Davis um, tried to blackmail him and tried to blackmail him into dropping out of the primary race, claiming that if he didn't, Davis would out him as gay. So Askew was a gay black man. He was a formal model. No, he's fucked. There's Um, something fucked about this guy. And and he's calling up the FBI saying, yeah, he's doing this. And he also said that Davis offered him $45,000 to drop out of the race. Mm -mm. CBS News cited one police officer commenting on Askew's call, claiming that Davis, quote, had used language that Askew had interpreted as that Davis was threatening to hurt his family somehow. But a spokesperson from Councilman Davis's office said, like, these are all unfounded. Like, none of this is true. Like, something, there's something there's messed, something up. messed yeah. up. Fuck. So then Mayor Bloomberg called the incident uh, an attack on democracy, according oh, to God. the New York Times. Just fuck off already. Ugh, so a search democracy. of, I know, <laughs> oh a search of Askew's apartment revealed some things. So there were torn down posters from Davis's campaign <gasps> that they found, like, in his apartment. He's like obsessed. He's obsessed. Yeah. They found antidepressant medication. Yeah. They also found paperwork for the gun, which he purchased legally in 2001 for okay. 600 bucks. So, so way before this. Yeah. Like it so, happened. Yeah. So they found all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's so, of course, there are no charges because Askew died Dead. at the scene and all of that. And uh, part of the aftermath was. Bloomberg immediately was like, everyone has to go through the metal detector. It doesn't matter yeah. like um, who you are. Yeah. And I just thought it was interesting too. Like why would electeds or other people, yeah, why, are they, why are they? Yeah. Well, you know what it is? It's they have to wait in the line. Right. They don't want to wait in the line. Now right. I think, I think it at, it, in Congress, there's a separate, they have to go through it. Right. But, but it's not the separate, same as everybody else's. Yeah. So it's a little bit faster. So I don't know if they have something similar at city hall yeah. set up, but. Good so grief. some points of interest, Cooper reporting for the New York Times, like I said, everybody kind of flipped uh, uh, flipped out when this first happened. And the city, it was in the city. Mm. It's so close to 9-11. And be- so subways and bridges were closed. They sealed off City Hall. They barricaded the streets until they could figure out, like, what is the motive here? Yeah. Because they didn't know. Yeah, right. And I would, I feel like that city is probably still traumatized. Of course. Um, it's only a couple of years later. CBS News reported that in 1996, Askew was accused of beating his domestic partner, mm. a man, with a hammer <gasps> and charged with assault. He pleaded guilty to harassment and he had to stay away from uh, this guy. Uh, Davis was also an ordained minister and he used that to help teens. That was another way that he helped teens in his community. Gotham Magazine reported that in the days before the shooting, Davis spoke about gun ownership and permits telling Carla Thompson in an interview, quote, we are failing across the board in psychological testing. Yeah. People who have gun permits need to be screened. Cops are screened at first, but who's to say he or she didn't get burned out. Mm. They need to be rescreened. You can't check enough. When you have a wait and see attitude, tragedies happen. Oh my God. What a fucking quote right before. Damn. Good Isn't Lord. that terrible? Yes. 
And also, again, like this is 2003, like that he's even talking about this stuff that we're still talking about today. Oh, more than About ever. screenings, you yeah. know? I, I just feel like he was very ahead yeah. of, of really understanding, you know, uh, what's going on in yeah. violence and communities and all of that. What a shame. Terrible. Um, in 2013, to honor the 10-year anniversary of his brother's death, Jeffrey Davis held a hunger strike to help end gun violence. Wow. He spent 10 days in a tent living off of energy drinks and, like, just, you know, trying to bring awareness to the issue. Oh and I believe he ran for his brother's seat uh, after all of that. Oh, um, the Village Voice reported that Askew struggled with his sexuality, and one yes. acquaintance said that Askew didn't want to be gay mm -hmm. and claimed to have met a woman and had a baby. But whenever the friend wanted to see the baby or a photo, Askew didn't provide it. And of course, it turns out that none of that was true. Yeah. So he. There's a stigma, I think, still in the black community yeah. for black men and, and their sexuality, just, which is a which is a shame. It's terrible. Yeah. Um, the officer who shot Askew, Richard Burt, was honored for his work that day. So he was a plain, mm. a plain clothes cop. He was able to stop him. Wow. I mean, who knows who else oh, Askew yeah. could have shot that he day had all if those he rounds didn't still. stop him. Jeez. Um, the other thing that was interesting, an article from the New York Post says that the color of change claimed that the officer that took down Askew used police brutality to do so. But, you know, what is he what? supposed to do? I mean, Wait he opened Wait. fire in a public place. Wait, Wait a minute. Can yes. we all calm the fuck down yes. for a second? Yeah. He shot somebody who was shooting another person. Yes. That's police brutality. That's what they tried to say. Shut the fuck up. But he was still honored for his work, which is... He did. That's what yes. a police officer is supposed to do. Yeah. Let's calm down for a second. Well. What? There's a whole other article oh, that thinks this, that, this, that there's this whole conspiracy okay. and that Askew was a red herring and that someone else shot Davis and that it was part of a larger plot to silence Davis. I have the article. Tina, it's in the show notes for those of you fuck? that want to fall down that rabbit hole. Oh, my God. And they're like, you have to, they have to reopen the investigation and this, that, and oh, the yeah, other. Oh, yeah, that's what we're going to go do. I know. And um, this reminded me of the Jane Peters story. Mm. Uh, the advocate uh, wrote an article saying that police also found Askew's last will and testament laid out on the table in his home mm -hmm. and information on his bank accounts as so valuables. He like was, he, he knew, knew this was going to end yeah. uh, badly. Yeah. Either that or maybe he was planning on taking his own Probably, life. Or, yeah, you know? that makes more sense. Yeah. So that's the story of wow. the murder of New York City Councilman James E. Davis. Wow. I, first of all, I don't know how I don't hear these stories. I know. I, I mean, like, was it, was it, I mean. Cause this is 2003. Yeah. It's, I, I probably mean, have heard it cause I, I, I was listening to Howard Stern heavily at that time. Yeah. So it's in New York. I'm sure that I heard the story. I feel like, have you seen that movie that, um, Pixar movie? Um, oh my God. And of course I'm trying to talk about memory and I can't remember the name of it. What's the one with inside the out? Yes. Yes. In, is it inside out? Is that the one? Is in it called? Is, is it, it called Inside Out? It's with oh, the different color polar, and they're all there's a little oh. blue yes, and the yes. emotions that, and, when the, I can't and the monster in the weird world. Yes, when I can't I think remember something, out. that's what I think. Someone has taken that memory ball and like tossed it on the <laughs> fucking shoot, you know? Or I can't remember, but like maybe that's what happens. I I needed to make room for you know podcast stuff. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> like I gotta get rid of this fucking story from New York. Oh my god, I know. Well, I that was I don't sad. remember hearing about this. No really at all and, and that's it's, huge it's huge and he it was such an incredible guy yeah such an incredible guy and some of the articles did say 
that it, they kind of not exploited his memory, but sort of like doing things in his name. And they're like that, that he would never have wanted these things. Mm. You know, there was, there were articles about that of sort of like that kind of aftermath of how things were yeah. done. But for the most part, people recognizing, you know, the good work that he was trying to do. And he was only 41. Ask you was 31. <gasps> Wow, 41. He was only 41. And just to think of like all of the things he could have done. You know, he was like just kind of getting started in this political realm. Such a good guy. And he had the opportunity with Askew, like he could have been a jerk and been like, no, you're not coming with me. Yeah. Right? No. He's like, I'll bring you with me. This could have been like, let me take you under my wing. and shit. And help you. Yeah. You know, because he's all about helping people. Oh, that's so sad, Tina. Terrible. Okay, today, it, this is sort of fun, but it's also like, I don't know, I, I, you know, all right, let's, <laughs> we'll, we'll get into it. I'm sure I'll, I'll spew my opinions about everything, but I'm going to cover the mistresses of John F. Kennedy. <gasps> <laughs> oh my, let me, oh, I got to get comfortable. Um, So I wanted to, <gasps> so he's had some very famous, supposedly yes. very famous fairs. We yes. got Marilyn Monroe. Happy birthday, Mr. Yes, Marlin, Marlena Dietrich, <laughs> apparently. Like there's been a, oh. a couple of like, but I, so people know about those. Like, yes. I don't know. I, it's, I wanted to cover people who have been confirmed. Who yes. Have said, yes, this happened. Ooh. Um, and are lesser known. But it really, to me, some of these really go to like the darker side of John, John F. Kennedy. You know, Ooh. like I feel like how I feel about Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky. He's a fucking scumbag. I mean, well, I mean, and, he his poor wife. I mean, yes, but right. also like stop. Yeah, he just stop. He's a serial adulterer. He's a horn. He's a horn. And dog. that's how John he's F. Kennedy. He was the same way. He's a and, horn dog. Yeah, and I know they're like revered and people love them, and that's fine. Except because well, it's well, because it's that whole Camelot. That's fine. You know, I don't buy into it. Maybe because no. I wasn't there. But like just well, to I hear, think now looking back, we yeah. realize that it, it, and it's it gross. wasn't all and when shiny you hear about some happy. of these stories, uh, you know, it's just gross. I feel like it's taking advantage of people, of yes. women, young yes. women, young, young, young women. And so I don't I don't I don't like that. So yes. let's let's get into this. Okay, well, so. I have to say I'm going to do it. I'm so sorry. But, you know, there's a Sopranos episode oh. where. Tony meets his dad's Gumar, oh, and she and she has like the the sailor hat. Oh right! Or is it I either mean, Tony had the captain's hat and brought right. it over, or whatever it is? And she she sings the song, yes. and, and she's like, yes. "Oh, like how she hooked up with him." Yes. Oh my god! I always think I, of that. Now I remember what she looked like. I remember <laughs> the, with the hair, right? Yeah. Tina, you always got that Sopranos. I know reference. I know. So uh, a couple of, I'm going to cover a couple of them. And also one, the last one I'm going to cover, she was actually murdered <gasps> shortly after uh, their affair ended. And after, I believe it was after Kennedy died. So it was, was murdered, assassinated. <clears throat> so I just thought, Why? yeah, Ooh. right. Like that, I thought this is very interesting. Yes. So let's, let's get into this. So of course, just so in case anybody doesn't know, John F. Kennedy was a U.S. Senator from Massachusetts. He was the 35th president of the United States. He was married to the fabulous Jacqueline Bouvier uh, and they had two children. And of course, uh, he was assassinated November 22nd, 1963. Um, and he had these, he was infamous for having affairs with women. Yes. And there's a very long list. Most of them are really rumored. But these are ones that I found that um, 
were confirmed. So I'll tell you a little bit about them and their affair and all that jazz. Okay. I'm like, I'm, I'm like excited? goosebumped up, excited okay, about cool, this. Cool. Yeah. So the first one is Judith Exner. So oh. she was described as stunningly beautiful. She claimed to have had an 18 month relationship with then Senator John F. Kennedy beginning in 1960, Dang. which continued after he was elected president of the United States. According to Michael O'Brien of the Washington Monthly on February 7th, 1960, Frank Sinatra introduced at the time, her name was Judith Campbell, was her maiden name. Ah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, to uh, They were in Las Vegas, and he introduced her to John F. Kennedy, who was then a presidential candidate. Um, in, 19, in her 1977 memoir, she said that she became one of JFK's mistresses, and for a period, for a period, period, of, period of about two years, fre- frequently visiting him at the White House <gasps> after he was elected president. Her account How, was, I mean, I go a get lot, a hotel a lot somewhere. in that White House, honey. Her account was supported by phone records and other documentation. <gasps> although Kennedy's, Oh, if it's the White House, yeah, they have all that. Yeah, although Kennedy staff and, spo- and supporters attacked her veracity when she published her memoir. Oh, please, let her speak. <sighs> a few months later, in 1960, Sinatra introduced Campbell to Sam Flood, who was actually... Sam Giancani, the leading figure in the Chicago Mafia. Ooh, uh-oh, she here's was, that Mafia connection. Yeah, and she was also a known associate of John Rosselli, who is also in the Mafia. So Exner received national media attention when, oh, her married name is Exner. So Exner received her, uh, national attention, media attention when she testified in 1975 before the church committee investigating CIA assassination attempts on, on Fidel Castro. Oh, wow. She is just... She's in there, right? Wow. Rosselli testified to the committee about mafia involvement in the CIA attempt on Castro's life. When the church committee report was released in December 1975, it said that a, quote, close friend of President Kennedy had also become a friend of mobsters John Rosselli and Sam Giacani. So this is her. So her identity as the close friend was leaked to the Washington (gasps) Post, which publicized it. What? The committee had sent Exner a subpoena to make her testify and by then she was married to dan exner and she called a press conference that month and denied any knowledge of mafia involvement with kennedy oh please it's so clear so that's one lady so she for so she's hooking up with mobsters yeah and she's hooking up with sinatra's introducing yes and now she's and now she's hooking up with kennedy maybe the mob did it I'm telling <laughs> the mob was involved with him getting elected. We know that. Right. And maybe they were involved with him getting killed. Maybe, maybe it was a scorned mafioso lover. Yeah. Ooh, conspiracy theories abound. I, I love JFK conspiracy <laughs> theories. We've got to get it. We got to do that. We got to cover that. that yes. Okay. The next one. Ganilla Von Post. Okay. I know. That's a great name, right? Wow. I know. Um, so Kennedy met Ganilla Von Post one month before his marriage to Jacqueline Lee Bouvier during the summer of 1953 while on holiday on the French Riviera. Oh, she was a Swedish aristocrat who also wrote a book outlining an intimate relationship with then Senator John F. Kennedy in the 1950s titled Love Jack published and it was published in 1997. (sighs) Oh, little letters. She's got some letters from him. In Mm. 2010, she auctioned letters written by Kennedy. So a 1955 letter began, quote, dear Ganilla. I must say you looked well and happy in the photograph you sent me at the, at the regatta. Uh, 
Kennedy then sketched out his plans to head to Europe after Congress re- recessed early in August of that year, writing, quote, I shall be, I shall be in Sweden on the 12th. Where should I, where do I go? Send me your address at Bastada, ah. where you shall be. Oh, please, Kennedy. <laughs> Could you imagine you're sending letters like there's, this is like a text. Yeah. What's your address? Yeah. I'm, I'm where at you the at? airport. Where, where are you are at? You? No, she, he's got to Where are you it. at, girl? He's scheduling, he's scheduling Poon, like, a month oh, ahead of time. Oh my god! Yeah, I'm gonna be out at the end of this three months. Where can I come find your? And he's vagina? like just getting married. Yeah, what a jerk. Hey, by the way, I'm looking at pictures of him. I don't think he was that good looking. I think that people think he was like a good looking president because all these presidents are so old and gross. Old. Yeah, yeah. So his he guy, had nice hair. Yeah, I mean, Barack Obama aside. Oh, the hottest of all. Hot. Hot. Hello. Hot. 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 Hello. Hi, Barack. Hi, come on the podcast. Do you want to come talk yeah. on the podcast? How about that? How would you review that episode? Yeah. If Barack Obama was here, <laughs> by the way. I'm sending an email. Fuck off. Okay. In the, 1950s, <laughs> in the 1956 letter, Kennedy expressed regret that Von Post wouldn't be traveling to the U.S. as he'd hoped. He wrote, quote, I must say I was sad to learn that after all, you are not coming to the U.S. If you don't marry, because she was engaged, if you don't marry, come over as I should like to see you. I had what? A I had a wonderful time last summer with you. It is a bright memory of my life. Oh, come I am anxious. on. I am anxious to see you read my dear heart. Yes. Is it not strange after all these months? Perhaps at first I, it shall be a little difficult as we shall be strangers, but not strangers. Oh, and I am sure my <laughs> God. And I'm sure it will all work out. And I shall think that though it is a long way to Ganilla, it is worth it. End quote. Dang, does he like the word shall? Yeah, I thought the same thing. I'm like, shall, shall, but shall. He's like, this is what's going to make me sound yeah. so intelligent. Yeah. I'm going to throw some yeah. shalls in there. I shall love you. I shall. I'd be like, all right. I'd read that letter and go, oh my God, this fucking guy will stop Get fucking writing. away. Lose my mailing address. <laughs> Lose my mailing address. I mean, he's address. writing this. I mean, but he's got, that. this is like physical evidence. He, yeah. I mean, that he is trusting her. He wrote letters to everybody. He's trusting her yeah, well, to not... Yeah. Reveal this. But P.S. This is also a different time. Remember, like, having Where, an affair would, would have been kept. These women kept these secrets. Yes. Like, they put out memoirs 20 years yes. later, you know, after he's gone. And, like, so they Ooh, do keep secrets. She could have blackmailed him. The press doesn't report stuff like this. Remember, yeah. we talked about this, too. It's like, if somebody was having an affair, it's not something that people yes, would get into. Because they, yeah, they're like, that's yeah, sort of private. off limits. Yeah. You don't want to you embarrass the family and the wife. And so we don't get into that kind of stuff. But. Okay, so in 2015, a leather jacket that had once belonged to Kennedy and and he had left it with Von Post was unearthed. Oh my God. It was unearthed by the senior chaplain of the King's School, Canterbury. I think she left it there. And then he then... Uh, he then brought it to a two th- November 2015 filming of an episode of the Antiques Roadshow <gasps> at Walmart Castle no. in Kenton. Yeah, where it was valued in excess of 100,000 pounds, which is currently, or which would have been around $152,000. How did they know it's Kennedy's? Like there's some... I think this guy knew the story behind it. Yeah, or there's like some something on the yeah, label maybe. or the thing. Wow. Would you ever get rid of that jacket? No. No, honey, please. No. Like walking around the house in it. Hi. Wow. And, that, and that sailor cap from the Sopranos. That sailor cap. <laughs> God. My what God. a life this motherfucker had. Huh? Yeah, they're on boats. They're sailing. Oh, fucking assholes. Yeah, but I mean, and, and they get their money in, in shady ways too. Yeah, and they're Those fucking bootleggers. everybody. Come fucking on. Every- Come on. God damn it. Camelot my ass. And this poor jacket, <laughs> Jackie Kennedy. By the way, that's the name of the episode. <laughs> Camelot my ass. It's true. By and the there's way, Jackie. Yeah. Beautiful. Oh. 
fashion icon. She I mean, she up should, too, though. Come on, yeah. right? Didn't she have all kinds of fucking problems? I think so. I think so, I but think so. I mean, she's married to this guy that's like. I have to tell you, I was fucking obsessed with John Kennedy Jr. Like, oh, obsessed he was with him. so cute. Do you remember that? When Seinfeld he died, I was episode? like a fucking mess. Yes, I remember the Seinfeld <laughs> episode where he goes with the Virgin. He gets the Virgin. That Jerry likes. Oh, the oh one that, the, that the, was the, that the, was. The, and then also Elaine was. Yes, gonna, Elaine. Yes. That one where she's uh, like, "I'm out." I yeah. saw John John at the gym, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they're like, "We thought you would be yeah. the holdout." Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh my, my god. god! Oh god! It's so great. Okay, I uh, need to watch that again. Yeah. Well, Seinfeld's <laughs> the best. I'd love to start a Seinfeld podcast. Ooh. Hello, <gasps> hello. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. Let's get back into this nonsense. Okay. So Mimi Alford. Mimi Alford was educated at Miss Porter School in, in Connecticut while working as an editor in 1961 at her high school newspaper, the Salmagundi. She wrote to the White House and requested an interview with Jacqueline Kennedy, who, and her, who had herself been the editor of the same paper at Miss Porter School. Right. This, this and this Christie. is a high school. Yeah. Oh, God. Okay. Mrs. Kennedy was unable to fit a meeting into her schedule, but her social secretary, Letitia Baldridge, who had also been, had also gone to Miss Porter's, was an alumna, alumni there, right? Invited uh, uh, Mimi to come to the White House and interview her about, uh, about Miss Kennedy. So she briefly met President Kennedy during that visit. Oh, God. In her first year... He's so gross. I know. So in her first year at Wheaton College, the White House offered her an open position as a summer intern in the White House press office. So she accepted and began her internship in 1962. So who, who, who uh, made yeah. this recommendation? Yeah. You know, he's scanning these white, the White House. And this like, who's is this? so he's gross. gross. And who's the one who like arranges all this? It's so I, gross. I saw a girl over here. Yeah. Ugh. Fucking gross. Ugh. She Ugh. was asked back for the following summer and visited the White House in between all of this time. On her fourth day in the White House press office, President Kennedy's special assistant, Dave Powers, the poon wrangler uh, asked her if she would like to join a group in the residence swimming pool where to her surprise, they were joined by president Kennedy. Oh my God. He is so gross. Meanwhile, let's not He's forget. a predator. Yeah. He's a predator. He's a fucking predator. He's a predator. No shit. Wow. And let's not forget. We were like in the middle of the Cold War. Yes. We had the Cuban Missile Crisis. Like we were in the middle of a You got work to do, man. And you can't even assassinate Castro. Yeah. (laughs) You can't even get that done. Right. Not that you should be assassinating other world leaders, but. Listen. But, but, but. Yeah. Under your watch. You're too busy. You got too much to do. (laughs) I honestly think he did no work as the president. I think he just fucked. That's all he did. Maybe. Okay. He smiled. she was asked to join a cocktail party. I think party. it was that smile because he had those big yeah. teeth and, and that hair. And when you wear those like Ray-Ban glasses. Yeah, it's right. the hair. It's, yeah, you're right. You know, he's on a sailboat. He's got the shirt part unbuttoned a little bit. Yeah. The family. The they were all mysterious. sports guys. They were in oh, shape. Right. You're right. I mean, I get it. But it's a very American. He had a very like. So we overlook all this other yeah. stuff. I think that we had to look back at this and see I how gross I think that this, this is why was. America screwed because like that was one of the first families, the riches, the, the mm. you know what I mean? Yeah. And like, wow, look how rich and beautiful yeah. and famous. Like, what, that's not, we don't need to be valuing that. No. There's other things to value. <sighs> Should have gone on that there? sailboat and just. <laughs> Sailed away. Sailed away. <laughs> Keep sailing. <laughs> um, so she was asked to join a cocktail party in the residence that evening, and the president offered her a personal tour of the home. Oh, my God. After Kennedy. He is so. <laughs> 
But this, he's a dude. That's a dude, man. Uh, oh, let me let me show you around. Yeah, well, listen. So okay. after Kennedy led her into Jackie's powder blue bedroom, <gasps> she and Kennedy had sex, which was her first sexual encounter. I mean, I, she well, she's a she's, she's now in, in college. She's in college. Yeah. So we're talking like eighteen years old. She's eighteen years old. I mean. At least, like, you can be like, well, you know, the first, my first time was with yeah, Kennedy. Yeah, who could she tell? Who could she tell that to? <laughs> you mean she's doing it with a street Wait, and this is in O's powder blue room. Yeah. He is such a jerk. I mean. He is such a wait, jerk. Wait, let's go back for a second. I love that you love that she's good. This is her street cred. Yeah. Yeah, but hey, ladies, wait to hear how yeah. I lost my virginity. Yes, I mean. No one can beat that story, by no. the way. No. You can't beat it. But the fact that it's in his wife's powder blue room. Like, so go gross. somewhere else. The White House has plenty of other rooms to, 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 uh. Oh my God. You know, do the deed in. He's just so gross. He's He's so gross. gross. And and did she want to? You know what I mean? No, no. Okay. Yeah. We'll get into that. Did she want to? She's A2 walking around. Did she feel like, oh, now I got to do this? This is a Monica Bill thing. It's the power. And they did. Both these girls were willing and able. But you have to remember they're also under the spell of. Because a 30 year old woman president. would tell him to go fuck yourself. Get the fuck right. away from her. Or she'd here. be like, hey, baby. Maybe. Maybe. But an 18 year old's very uh, manipulate. You can, right. You can, you can manipulate and an 18 year old in the 1950s. I mean, are they different than 18 year olds? And it's John today? Kennedy and it's power and it's in the White House and oh my God, he likes me. And, uh, you know, yeah. it's a whole fucking thing. It's a whole thing. And but not it's all also women, like, but, but it's you know, also like, hey, we went swimming. And now I'm at this cocktail party. She doesn't really know him. And he's banging her in the powder room. Yeah. Or the powder blue room. Yeah. (laughs) So the affair lasted 18 months, during which time um, she was still a student in college. And she met Tony Fainstock and she became engaged. So she's now engaged (gasps) to this other person and still doing this. But the affair started to cool down at that point. Yeah. Um, The pressures of her double life drove her to leave college after her sophomore year. Um, she said, so here's this girl with a promising career. She's in a good school and this guy Mm -hmm. is just messing with her to the point where she just can't handle being in school and all of it. Yeah. God, what a jerk. So, um, what a jerk. Yeah. Alfred said that she and the president did not have sexual relations after August, 1963, though she retained her position in the white house. So she still kept working there. Um, even though she left school, right. (laughs) Um, she was disappointed to be dropped from the trip to Dallas, Texas with Kennedy in November 1963, <gasps> but Jacqueline, Jackie had decided to go with him, so she wasn't allowed to come to the trip on the trip. The last time she saw Kennedy, wow. the last time she saw Kennedy on November 15th, 1963, so seven days before he was murdered, um, he gave her $300 cash as a wedding present and asked that she buy, quote, something fantastic to wear, then, quote, come back to show me. Oh! <gasps> Are you kidding me? Uh, woo! It's, there's something What so a fucked. jerk. I what a, so what about this it, poor fiance? Uh, She's affianced and there she is <laughs> buying cute things for the fiance and then the show Kennedy. Mm. What? So she ended up buying a gray suit with that money. What? I don't well, know. Well, that's kind of boring. Yeah, it's not fantastic, <laughs> is it? Can you imagine she comes back and then he's like, this is what you bought with my money? <laughs> Um, okay, so in November, I mean, in 2002, historian Robert Dalek was researching his biography and unfinished life, John F. Kennedy, from 1917 to 1963. He came across a 1964 interview with Kennedy press aide Barbara Gamerkian in the JFK Presidential Library that described, in a roundabout way, Kennedy's dalliances with an intern named Mimi who, quote, couldn't type, had no skills, who obviously couldn't perform any function at all, end quote, and who, and others who worked in the press office. Oh, so obviously she's my there. God. She, she's there to like 
you know, yeah. be in his beck and call, basically. Oh, God. Uh, the other people working there must be like, what in the hell is going But she's yeah. getting paid. Yeah, yeah. Come on. At Gamer Come Ke- on. <laughs> Gamer Kean's request in 1964, this part of her interview was permanently sealed, but Dalek persuaded her to unseal it so that he might include it in his biography mention of a, quote, tall, slender, beautiful intern among Kennedy's White House diversions in the context of his argument that Kennedy was undistracted from duty by health troubles or women. So he was going, I'm going to say really nice things about Kennedy in this book. But I want to just include this. Yeah. But I'm going to say he wasn't distracted. Oh, by all please. These women he there. clearly was distracted. Yeah. And that's what he wrote anyway. So reporters were hesitant to identify the intern. And on May 13th, 2002, uh, the, New York da- the New York Daily News ran a front page teaser headline, quote, fun and games with Mimi in the White House. Ooh. For its expose, and it said, quote, uh, JFK had a Monica. That's what he, that's what they wrote. So Mimi feigned stock. She ended up marrying that guy, right? Um, oh. Her fiance confirmed the affair, the affair in a statement, but made no further comment. So this is 2002. So it's wow. what? 40 years later. And she's going to be like, uh, honey. Um, yeah. By the way. By the way. Yeah. Yes. I was. Oh, God. By the way, I was also fucking the president. Yes. After the intrusive press attention of 2003, Alfred felt she should try to make, try to take control of the story of her own life. And she began to write her, her, to write her own story with her husband's encouragement. And executive. He wants that money. <laughs> yeah. Executive he editor. He wants that money, that Kennedy money. <laughs> An executive editor at Random House looked at about 20 pages and acquired the rights for close to seven figures in 2009. There you go. Originally subtitled seven figures, (laughs) originally subtitled my hidden affair with John F. Kennedy. Alfred's book was published in April, 2011 by Hutchinson radius and marketed as quote, a woman's coming of age story. Oh God. (laughs) (laughs) This poor girl. Why can't it just be, Hey, I want to fuck the president. Like that's a good subtitle. What the fuck? Why are you going to be a coming of age story? story. Uh, According to the New York times quote, Miss Alfred claims to be completely purged of guilt, grief and baggage by the cleansing process of acknowledging past mistakes. And she describes her happy new marriage, you know, after getting married End quote. Okay. Because she has seven figures to yeah. live the rest of her life with. <laughs> once upon a uh, once upon a secret, spent several weeks on the New York Times bestseller list, the NPR hardcover nonfiction bestseller list, and the Los Angeles Times bestseller list. In an interview with Ann Curry on February 9th, two thousand twelve, Alfred stated that at the time she did not feel guilty about the fact that the president was married. Although in hindsight, quote, I feel guilty about not having felt guilty about Mrs. Kennedy. End quote. All right. I mean, in a subsequent interview with People Magazine, she stated, "Quote: If I was nineteen, I would do it again. It's hard to say I wouldn't." End quote. Ooh. So he, I mean, maybe Kennedy had a little. Maybe, maybe I gotta tell you, maybe it was enjoyable. There's just no way it is. You don't think so? No, because he had back problems. So could well, he really? Uh, yeah, right. He can't put his back into it. Honey. <laughs> 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 but besides that, I don't think it would have been. I think he'd probably do the bare fucking minimum oh because he thinks like i'm the the president yeah you're gonna lay there and you're gonna enjoy this non-minimum the minimum amount of shit i can give you right now which is i guarantee i guarantee there's no effort put in now can we find this out who else can we interview i think that that's i think that's right i think that's right bare minimum all right so let's move on to the next one pamela turner oh so turner uh, worked for then United States Senator John F. Kennedy as a receptionist and secretary in his Senate office from 1958 until his election in 1960. She was then hired as the first press secretary to first lady in, for the to the first lady in the United States history working under Jackie Kennedy. You gotta be kidding me! In her role as press secretary, Tenure was frequently present at diplomatic receptions and to receive foreign dignitaries. Tenure also helped to coordinate Miss Kennedy's nationally televised White House tour and historical preservation efforts. 
Uh, she was aboard, aboard Air Force One at Love Field Airport at, as Lyndon B. Johnson took the oath of office two hours oh. and eight minutes after wow. the assassination of John F. Kennedy in Dallas, Texas. Wait a minute. He was going to bring Mimi. Yeah. Then there's this chick also. Oh, they're all around. There. I'm telling you, there's more Plus than one Jackie. at a time. Yeah, there's more than one at a time. Wow. So shortly after the assassination took place, Vice President Kennedy kissed tenure on the hand. Now, remember, he's a real creep. Yeah. Yeah. After the assassination events and funeral, tenure left for New York and worked as president Worked on President Kennedy's administrative papers, a project that was funded by Aristotle Onassis. She also served for a period of time as the manager of Miss Kennedy's Kennedy Onassis's private office and was present at her funeral. So this woman like stayed in the war in there and in her Jackie life. did not know. No, um, in the dark side of Camelot. What? Yeah. So this uh, is. So here's. I'm going to tell you a crazy well, how story. How dare she? This is what I mean. This. This. I feel how like do anybody you, like talk. Look her no. in the face. Yeah. I feel like anybody Jackie became friends with or worked with Jackie Kennedy was subs like could was either there was pulled into his bedroom. Do you know what I mean? Oh like my god. Like there was nobody safe around. Did she have any good girlfriends? Real friends. Oh, this poor know. woman. So there. I'm going to tell you this crazy story. It was published in a book, and there's a lot of things. It's like, oh, this isn't founded. This is alleged, but it's a crazy fucking story. So I thought, which involves her and Kennedy. So okay, okay. In the, in the book called The Dark Side of Camelot, published in 1997, author Seymour Hersh alleged that Kennedy had an extramarital affair with Turner in 1958 when she was working in his Senate office. Um, and so in 1958, 10 years, landlady Florence Cater allegedly took a photograph of Ooh. the senator leaving t- Turner's apartment building in the I middle like of the night. I like this landlord. Yeah, she took a picture <laughs> in the middle of the night, a photograph that Cater tried to repeatedly to bring to public attention to ruin the senator's presidential campaign, according to Hirsch, right? So Cater and, and her no husband, one gave a... No one. No, because remember, nobody yeah. would publish this God. stuff. So Cater and her husband allegedly rigged a tape recorder to pick up sounds of the couple's lovemaking. No! <laughs> and made an enlargement of their picture of Kennedy as he exited the building. Wow. The credibility of The Dark Side of Camelot was called into question immediately after its 1997 publication. One of Hirsch's allegations in the book... Um, said that the Washington, D.C. newspaper known in 1960 as the Evening Star reported at the time that the caters were trying to do what everything they're trying to do is false. Like right. They, that they, they're like, they're crazy. They're yeah. making but it again, up. Who owns that paper? Right. Are they friends with yes, the Kennedys? Come like, on. come on. You don't know. So Florence Cater and her husband allegedly sent their information about JFK's adultery to various print media publishers. A company called Stern Publications supposedly passed it along to J. Edgar Hoover. Oh, God. So this is kind of, this is kind of fucked up too. So... Um, uh, soon after Hoover quietly obtained a copy of the compromising sex tapes and offered them to Lyndon Johnson <gasps> as campaign ammunition. Ooh. Johnson had been using all the information Hoover could Meanwhile, find about Johnson. Kennedy. Yeah. <laughs> during the campaign, even so he was been using all this information during the campaign and before the convention and Hoover was on, was in on the pressure of Kennedy at the convention. So a few days after Kennedy was extorted, they're saying that Kennedy Johnson used this to Kennedy to get on the ticket. Like, oh, I have like, all that stuff. Hey. Yeah, put me on the ticket. Ooh. But I don't know if that's true because Johnson was already, I think he was the second pick anyway. Right. You know, it just made sense. He could get the South. Yes. He was religious. He was older. Yeah. It balanced that ticket. But so this is kind of alleging that yeah. he picked him because he had this information, which. Or maybe, maybe it was like, hey, I'm down to these two. And that's the little yeah. thing that, that pushed him. Yeah. Maybe. Okay. So let's get to this last lady. So Uh-oh. this is the woman who was murdered. Uh, her Ooh. name's Mary P- Pinchot Meyer. So Mary Pinchot Pinchot was first met the Kennedys when they moved to, when she and her husband moved to D.C. And um, at the time, Mary was uh, married to Cord Meyer. 
Her husband worked for the CIA and she was, um, she had just decided to leave her work as a journalist to be a homemaker. They had three boys. In the summer of 1954, John F. Kennedy and his wife, Jackie Kennedy, bought the house next door, next door to the Myers and Panoch Meyer and Jackie Kennedy became acquainted and they went on walks together. So these oh, two ladies became friends. Oh no. Yeah. So he was Come a senator. And he was a senator at the time, right? So on December 18th, 1956, the Myers' middle son, Michael, age nine, was hit by a car near their house and killed. Oh, no. Um, although this tragedy brought Mary and Cord Meyer closer for a time, Mary filed for divorce in 1958. And after the divorce, she um, and her two surviving sons moved to Georgetown. She began painting. Um, she was an artist. Uh, she began painting in a converted garage studio at the home of her sister, Tony, and Tony's husband, Ben Bradley. Do you know who Ben Bradley is? He's like this amazing editor and journalist. He yes. Was part of the watch the Pentagon Papers being released. And I'm 99% sure was part of that Boston Globe um, on the Catholic Church exposing oh, oh, in, with in the, Boston. With the with the, the priests. The pedophiles. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <clears throat> He's incredible. So she became friendly with Robert F. Kennedy, who had purchased his brother's house, Hickory Hill, in 1957. Nina Burley, in her book, A Very Private Woman, writes that after the divorce, Meyer became a well-bred ingenue, out looking for fun and getting in trouble along the way, end uh -oh. quote. Uh, Panoche... Meyer visited John F. Kennedy at the White House in October 1961, and the relationship became intimate. <sighs> she told Anne and James Truett she was keeping a diary, uh, so she had written Ooh. all of this stuff down. Rumors and tabloid press reports of her affair with Kennedy became were confirmed by her brother-in-law, Washington Post editor Ben Bradley, in his 1995 autobiography, <sighs> A Good Life. So years later, he said, yes, this happened. Yeah, years Timoth later, yeah. but not at the time. No, Timothy Leary, you know who that yeah, is. Yeah, okay. I sure do. He later claimed that Pinoche Meyer influenced Kennedy's, quote, views on nuclear disarmament and what? with Cuba. Yeah. What? In an interview with Nina Burley, Kennedy aide Meyer Feldman said, quote, I think he might have thought more of her than some of the other women and discussed things. And he had discussed things that were on his mind, not just social gossip. Burley, I mean, see, this is the thing. The pillow talk. Yeah. This is all dangerous. This is why these powerful this, men, it's not yes. good. It's not good. They can use things against you. Like, think about. That's like the whole uh, loose, loose lips sink ships, yeah. you know? I mean, <laughs> like, oh, my God. Um, Merle you don't wrote, know what someone's going to reveal. Yeah. You don't know who to trust. Right. You're the president. You can't be talking no. about this with random <laughs> no. civilians. No. Regardless if they're in your bed or not. Yes. Berlay wrote, Mary might, act might actually have been a force for peace during some of the most frightening years of the Cold War, which is scary. What? Which is scary. What? In a 2008 interview with author Peter Janney for his book, Mary's Mosaic, journalist and Kennedy friend Charles Bartlett emphasized the serious nature of Pinoche Meyer's romance with the late president, stating, quote, that was a dangerous relationship. Jack was in love with Mary Meyer. He was certainly <gasps> smitten with her. He was heavily smitten. He was very frank with me about that. End quote. Wow. Mary Meyer was a guest at the intimate party hosted by Jacqueline Kennedy in honor of President Kennedy <gasps> aboard the yacht Sequoia on the on his 46th and last birthday celebration in May 29th, so she had 1963. No idea? I, she, she had to have known. Come she has on. to. She's Come inviting on. her. But Come why invite her? I don't know. Maybe he said, this is the guest, the guest that I want to be here. I don't know. What a jerk. In Do October, you think that they had like, or is it an understood? I, I think that's, yeah. You know? Yeah. You'll be first lady. I'm mm -hmm. going to be doing my thing. Yeah. I do think that. And I think that we like to romanticize yeah. that relationship, but I think it was a really sad and lonely relationship for her. Yeah. Um, in October 1963, one month before his assassination, Kennedy wrote a letter to Mary Meyer imploring her to join him for a tryst. The unsent letter 
written on the White House stationery. Oh, God. And retained by Kennedy's personal secretary, Evelyn Lincoln, sold in June 2016 at an auction for just under $89,000. Jesus. The letter reads, quote, why don't you leave suburbia for once and come and see me, either here or at the Cape next week or in Boston the 19th? I know it is unwise, irrational, and that you may hate it. On the other hand, you may not, and I will love it. You oh, say that it's good for you say that it's good for me not to get what I want. After all of these years, you ah. should, after all of these years, you should give me more me a more loving answer than that. Why don't you just say yes? And the letter was signed with just a J. You know. Ah. So she, let me say something about this woman real, real quick. Cause this says, this letter says a lot to me. Yeah. Cause she's like, you always get she, what you want. Yeah. Screw you. She's like, oh, you want some? Maybe that's why I he likes so. her so much. Yeah. Cause she kept him at yeah. bay. These other girls are just like, what? yeah, he, she's, and she's smart. And she's older and yeah. she's like, you know, she's not dealing with it. I don't, I don't feel right about it. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. You know, she so, has some control. Yeah. Which I like. Yeah. I like that. Okay. So her murder. Um, so this is after. Kennedy has been killed uh, on October 12th, 1964. She finished the painting and went on a customary daily walk along the Chesapeake and Ohio Canal towpath in Georgetown. I'm going to put a picture up of this, this path. It looks fucking scary to me. Oh, like, does it? I, I thought I, you were going to say it's beautiful. No, it, no, it's like down off the road. Off the beaten path. It just looks, I don't know why anybody in their right fucking mind, at least if you're a murderino, yeah. you know not to go walking down there. Like that doesn't make any sense to me at all. But all right. So it looks creepy. It looks, it looks isolated. Creepy. Is it just like isolated? Is it like yeah. woodsy? Is it's, it there's woodsy? There's this canal, but it's just all dirt. And it looks like there's it's like an embankment. I don't know. Is it there a just, trail? Is it a walking trail? I think people would walk there, but they, it just so looks you should scary walk with someone me. is yes, what you're saying. Yes. yes, I would never do that. I don't know. Not that it's her fault, obviously. Right. But, no, no, no. Um, so mechanic Henry Wiggins was trying to fix a car on Canal Road and heard a woman cry out. She screamed, quote, someone help me, someone help me, end quote. Wiggins heard two gunshots <gasps> and ran to a low wall looking upon the path where he saw, quote, a black man in a light jacket, dark slacks, and a dark cap standing over the body of a white woman, end quote. Pinoche Meyer's body had two bullet wounds, one in the left temple and, the one, and then one in the back. An FBI forensic expert testified at trial that, quote, dark halos on the skin around both entry wounds suggested they had been fired at close range, oh, possibly point blank, end quote. Jesus. Now, why? Why? Now, see, this, when I hear that. Because she's not robbed, she's not attacked. Right. Why would not... somebody have to get that close to someone to kill them? Because they want, they, 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 they want her to They be want dead. her dead. Right. And you don't just randomly shoot someone on a path. So something unless right there. you're going to rob them. Yeah. Unless, you know, something's not right there. No, you know no, what no. I mean? This is like a paid assassin. Purposely. Yeah. Okay. Um, the, I think it's a paid pre- assassin. Yeah. <laughs> something. The precision placement and instantaneous lethality of the wound suggested to the coroner that the killer was highly trained in the use of firearms. Well, there you go. Approximately 40 minutes after the murder, Washington, D.C. police detective John Warner spotted a soaking wet a black man named Ray Crump about a quarter of a mile away from the scene. Soaking wet. I, probably in the water, you know? Crump, because remember, it's like a canal yeah. there. Crump wasn't running. He was walking, Detective Warner testified at the murder trial. Crump was arrested at 1.15 p.m. near the murder scene based on car mechanic Wiggins' statement to police that Crump was the man he had seen standing over the victim's body, as well as Crump's inability to give police a coherent explanation for his presence in the area. This the, doesn't sound right. Because you have someone who is is precise mm-hmm. in a shooting, and now you find some soaking like wet person. In the water, give me a break. 
that that no. isn't coherent. Yeah. Something isn't right. The day after the murder, a second witness, Army Lieutenant William L. Mitchell, came forward and told police that when jogging on the towpath the preceding day, you know, this is the day after yeah. the murder, he had seen a black man trailing a white woman he believed was Mary Meyer. Mitchell's description of the man's clothing was similar to the clothing Crump had been wearing that day. Oh. Um, on the strength of the statements of these two witnesses, Crump was indicted uh, without a preliminary hearing. Oh. However, no gun was ever found, and Crump was never linked to any gun of the type used to murder Mary Panoche Meyer. Did they do, like, gunshot residue test or... No. Well, this is back in the day. Did they even do that then? Yeah, I don't... They didn't... No, there's nothing like that listed here. So, the FBI crime report withheld from the defense during the trial and published by Peter, Peter Janney in his book, Mary's Mosaic, documented that there was no forensic evidence linking Crump to the victim or the murder scene. Hmm. This doesn't sound right. If it's a, if it's a precise murder, wouldn't that person know how to get the fuck out of there? Yeah. He wouldn't go through the canal. He would probably walk out a different way. He'd blend in with people. The fact that a second witness comes out the day before or the day after to give exact description. Yeah. To say like, oh, the day before, this is what I happened to see. he's in the army. He's lieutenant colonel in the army. Yeah. (gasps) Who's. Conspiracy. Yeah. He's, he's in the military. He's honest. He's a good guy. Right. Oh, he's saying. Hmm. Something shady is afoot. Don't sound right to me. Despite the fact that Panoche Meyer bled profusely from her head wound, no trace of blood was found on Crump's person or clothing. On the afternoon of the murder, hours before police... Well, if it's point blank, there would have been some splatter, something. something. Yeah. On the afternoon of the murder, hours before police had identified the body, CIA official Y-Star Janney first placed a call to Meyer's brother-in-law, Ben Bradley, and then subsequently to Cord Meyer who's her ex-husband, noting, notifying both of them of Meyer's death. When Crump came to trial, Judge Howard Cor- Corcoran ruled Mary Pinoche Meyer's private life could not be disclosed in the courtroom. Oh, oh God, because okay. God forbid. Right, plus also her ex-husband's in the CIA. They had, when they were married, they would have these parties and they were like friends with like all of the socialites and everybody yeah. in, in D.C., you know what I mean? Plus this relationship with Kennedy and like, you know, and anything that the, anything the and, lawyer, but the defense yeah. lawyer maybe could have used some of the information saying, yeah. here's a list of people who probably wanted who could, her dead yes. and could be pointing to other people, which is what the defense is supposed to do. Yes. Find somebody else who did right. it. Not my client. Right. Right. But that um, doesn't happen. Right. Panoche Meyer's background was also kept from Dovey Johnson Roundtree, Crump's lawyer, who, who later recalled she could find out almost nothing about the murder victim. Quote, it was as if she existed only on the towpath on the day what? she was murdered. End quote. Yeah. That's crazy because she obviously was very well known in D.C. Yeah. Yes. Um, At the trial, Roundtree... (sighs) And plus she's running around. She's having fun. She's getting into trouble. I mean, come on. At the trial, Roundtree demonstrated the inconsistency of the police and showed that Ray Ray Crump was 50 pounds lighter and five inches shorter shorter than the five five feet, eight inch, 185 male pound male that Henry Wiggins had described to police. Oh. Although Lieutenant William L. Mitchell estimated the height of the man he claimed to have seen trailing Mary Meyer at five feet, eight inches, Mitchell was not able to identify Ray Crump as that man when Mitchell was testified at trial. So the second, the second uh, witness yes. was like, I don't, I couldn't tell you if that was him or not. Crump was acquitted of all charges <gasps> on July 29th, oh. 1965. And the murder remains unsolved. <gasps> Who would do it? What, what she knew something. Yeah. They were worried about what else he said to her. Yeah. Right. Um, Probably. Because clearly he was talking a lot. Yeah. She was important to him, you know? And she was influential. So what did she know? I know. Ooh, 
That's it. That's those are my stories. What do you think? Oh, so good. I, and it made me think of the the Edward Kennedy story because he had it was a Mary yes, Jo that yes. Kopechny. Yeah. Mm. These men. These men. I mean, Robert Kennedy probably fucked around, don't you think? I don't know. He seemed a little. I never really hear that. Yeah. He seemed a little different than. Yeah. And he didn't really want to go into politics. I don't think. Mm. Like to the degree that his brother was, I think he was sort of pushed by the family right, like, right, after right. everything. Mm. I just saw it. I took my son to see that movie, Summer of Soul. Oh. It's a Questlove like documentary, and it's about this um, Harlem music festival that yes. happened the same summer as yes. Woodstock. Yes, and it was like a five five week. Uh, every weekend they would for oh my god five weeks. that sounds amazing the I saw the I saw the trailer for it and oh I was my like god. we need to see this we went to see it and it's it's not just even the music it's like what was happening at that time you know and so they they talked about uh, Martin Luther King was murdered Junior was murdered Kennedy or Kennedy was murdered Martin Luther King Junior was murdered Robert, Robert Kennedy, Kennedy was murdered Malcolm X was murdered I it's mean like all these people and so this the whole Harlem like there was just riots and and everybody was all over the place it was just fucking wild and so this festival kind of like brought people together Aww. but they talked about um like during that summer <laughs> during that time the festival was going on we landed on the moon Wow. And so you saw all, they showed clips of the news of all these white people going, I can't believe this is so exciting. I just watched the, I can't believe looking at the moon going, I can't believe there's somebody up there. They were going on and on. They go to the Harlem Festival next week and like, with the guy, <laughs> this guy's like, what do you think about us landing on the moon? And the guy goes, the, the seriousness of his face was just like, I don't give a fuck. He's like, we're broke. We have no jobs. And He's you like, guys you are know, on the moon. The amount of money yeah. it costs to put somebody on the moon. You know how many people that are starving here in Harlem who need you that know fucking what? money? Like, He's where right. are you? Yeah. He's right. And it was like one black person after the other is like, I really don't fucking yeah. care. And no. it never occurred to me until I did the story about um, Mayor, um, the guy from D.C. Who's yes. the mayor I did? Oh, gosh. Uh, Barry, Marion Barry. Yes. And he said it in his story. Yeah. He's like, why are we sending people to the moon? We're white, but there's black and brown people on this fucking planet yeah. who are starving in this country. Like, why are we sending people to the moon? It reminded me of that so much. And I cannot believe it wasn't until, what was that, two months ago that it never occurred to me that other communities don't give a fuck don't about care. landing on the moon. It's, they don't care. They don't. And so it's and so it's a funny. Way, it is like, just because it was it, a literal ego trip. Yeah, right, right. Right to the right. moon because we got to be the Russians. We got to be the yes. first. We got to yes. be the best. Space, the space race. I know. It was so great. Give me a break. It's, it's such a great movie. If you get a chance, I think it's on Hulu, but you can I also see it Yeah, I saw that it was on Hulu. So yeah. that's, I think, where I'm going to watch it. It's so good. But it talks a lot about social justice and what was happening Ooh. at the time and where we were. And it's just so fucking good. I can't wait. I'm going to see the Euro Cup. Oh, nice. Yes. Yes. I thought you were going to say Black Widow, which is what I want to go see. Oh, no. I'm going to go see Italy win. Oh, is Italy that what's going to happen? better win. Yes. And your husband's rooting for? England. Okay. That sounds okay, right. Okay. I That's mean, yeah, nice. I told you. He said, we're going to beat those greasy Italians. <gasps> and I said, how do you go to my parents' house? Yes. Who are straight from Italy. Straight from Italy. And you're going to go talk about greasy Italians your while you house, eat their food. Your parents' house. He sleeps in bed while next to you. you eat their food they're yeah. gonna not only eat the food he's gonna sit there and it's gonna be tina go get manny some wine tina go get manny something to eat tina go bring manny oh no wonder why he he's going to your sitting house. there he loves going in to glory house. and he's gonna go against the italians <laughs> Woo! Honey. forget it 
Honey, <laughs> you should put on an English accent and go, I don't go get your food today. I work. I, oh, you like England? I'm going to be English now. Go get your own fucking food. Italy is going to win. Go, so honey. I'm here for Thank it. God and my how, son um, is on, on board with the Italians. Of course. Where, what other side is there to be on? We've got the food. We've got the good looking men. Have you seen the Italian team? Um, I was going to ask you, can you send me some pictures, please? <laughs> I have never, I, you know, I've been to Italy, Tina. I've never seen better looking men in my Ooh. entire fucking life. Give me a tall, dark, and handsome any fucking day. Of Italiano. The week. Yeah. So uh, in my tour guide or my tour book about Italy, I think I'd put this up on my Instagram. It was like, it, it, I had circled it and put it on my Instagram because it was like, uh, light haired women are going to be harassed in Italy. Like, you're going to be whistled <laughs> at and they're going to make noises and you should just really try not to draw attention to yourself. And I was like, like, hello, I'm going to yeah, bleach please. my hair before I yeah. go. <laughs> I was like, how soon can you get me to be harassed on the streets of Italy? Oh, that's fuck? so funny. Now, it's not the guys that you want to be harassing you. It's the guy yeah. who's got the pot belly and like no hair. And he's like, <laughs> you know, when you're walking by, but I'm, I'm here for it. Look at me. Oh, Tell me. Tell me. Hilarious. Oh, it's the greatest. <gasps> We should go to Italy. We oh, should fucking go to Italy. I want to go to Italy. Let's do it. Oh, my God. We always talk about we're going to go on a trip. I know. We need we're to never. plan. We need to plan. <laughs> Girl. Italia. Oh, my cousin's oh. going back. She went, and now she's going back again. Oh, my God. What a life. She has a beautiful life. She has that beautiful house that oh, she yeah. got there. You got to yes. go visit. You got a place to stay. <gasps> Tina, just go do it. Take a trip for yourself. I know. It's cheaper if it's one person. <laughs> I know. But I would have to I would have to bring I would have to bring Def I mean What? Who? My oldest. Okay. Okay. I would, would have she, to bring him. Yeah. Do it. <gasps> do they speak any Italian? My oldest understands my parents. Yeah. My youngest, not no. so much. Um and my oldest sometimes will send me texts uh, in Italian. That is incredible. I think he uses the translator, but he it's, he just says it to be funny. Did you understand what he's saying? Yeah. And so you do you only talk to your parents in Italian? No, 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 no. I speak English. Yeah. Yeah. But I it, can, so their dialect I can get by in. Okay. The real Italian I struggle with. Mm-hmm. So I can read a little tiny bit. Um, but my parents were, it was like the time where I had some cousins that had only, um, spoken Italian in the house. And when they went to school, they struggled. So my yeah. parents, my mom always made us answer back in English. Mm-hmm. So I could understand everything, but we had, to, I had to speak back in English. But your so dad could, talks to you in English. Oh, he'll do Italian and English. Both. Yeah, they both do. They go back and forth. Oh my God. I want to yeah. meet your parents so bad. <laughs> Tina. My mom does more straighting, like you, yeah. but my dad, he'll, he he mixes it. Oh. But if he would have talked to you in English, obviously. Yeah. Oh, no, that's my okay. Dad. I just, I, he'll say something and go, uh huh, uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> so cute. I want to hear. He's very cute. Oh my. What about oh. your brother? Does he speak Italian? No. Same thing. Same, same with you. Same as yeah. me. Yeah. I think well, I understand more than him, though. Yeah. Tina, go get Manny some wine. Oh, Tina, come Tina, go get Manny some food. Manny, lo- that's why he's at your parents' house. He loves it over there. Please. Loves it. Please. <laughs> what a life this guy's got. Oh, my God. And he's rooting for the wrong fucking team. He's rooting for much. the wrong, but he does love, I okay, he does love England. I get it. Yeah. But allegiance should be to italy today um hello <laughs> like i said he's sleeping in bed next to you oh my that's god that's some english broad Give god me a break. if it, if italy loses dear god oh 
yeah, <laughs> the wrath is going to come down. Oh he'll su- he'll dance too. My, so he'll my oh for, my for well, he's my husband when his team is winning, he is one of those people like loud screaming, <laughs> like bellowing where the my dog gets scared. Can you take a video, please? I'll take a video. I'll take a video. Okay. <laughs> All right, darling. All right, this was fun. Hey, number eighty. That's eighty. This, we're not Can even saying that, that anymore. I mean, it's yes. incredible. It's so fun. Reviews be damned. We're moving forward. Yeah, we're moving forward. (laughs) Screw that guy. How dare he? All right, I'll see you next week. All right, bye. Bye. If you want to see any photos or take a deeper dive into our stories, please follow the episode notes on our website, themuckpodcast.fireside.fm, and be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Muck Podcast. To support The Muck Podcast, please visit our Patreon page. We have three levels of support and different goodies for each level. Muckraker, Policy Wonk, or Bleeding Heart. We can't do it without you. Music for The Muck Podcast, written and performed by Sean Doherty.